Hey, this is Kirk Brothers, and we welcome you to another episode of Ministry Matters That Matter. We're at the Ministry to Youth Conference in Knoxville, and I have with me Jerry Elder. Jerry and I have been friends for a long, long time. I guess is a youth in action in Kentucky. Yeah, four years back ago. when Noah got off the ark and right, joined us. Right, it goes way back. They had, so, they had five present at those <laughs> early days. Right. So we've known each other a long, long time, and I don't know of anyone that has a bigger heart for young people than Jerry does. And so in this episode, we're going to just learn from him, let him share his years of experience. So Jerry, just start off, you know, tell us about your family, but also tell me the the journey. I would be interested in how, what caused you to get into work with young people, and then tell us what's happened since then. Okay, well, uh, born and raised in Munford, Alabama. And uh, the people that came through my family that were influences on me was Franklin Franklin Camp, mm -hmm. Bobby Duncan, names uh, that are passed on from this old world. But those were people there in my home congregation. Olin Warmack uh, was another print minister that was there. That's the con congregation I grew up in. Mom and Dad, um, uh, Dad was not in the church until I was in college. So raised by Mom. Great grandparents. Uh, my my parent grandparents were heavy in my influential life of that, but the church as a whole was basically my family mm -hmm. uh, of, of of helping me in my spiritual spiritual growth and spiritual life. Uh, when it came to making the decision what I wanted to do in life, I was going in the Air Force. I had the Air Force Academy down on the listing. Uh, I was ready to be already accepted. And then something in the back of my mind was telling me, you know, why don't you see about this before you do this? So I moved to Anchorage, Alaska and worked as a civil servant okay. for three months and realized within that three months, this was not what I wanted to do. <laughs> I wanted to do something life. else with my life. So the preacher at the congregation at the time, I did not realize this, had really been teaching me behind the scenes hmm. to go into youth ministry. Uh I was known as Junior at home, named after my dad. Junior, what's the young people doing tonight? I don't know. Why don't you bring them over to the house? Mm -hmm. Let's do a Devo over the house. Okay. Hey, what are y'all doing tonight? You ever thought about just taking them out and going bowling? Yeah. Let's go play kick the cans. Let's play hide and see. Uh, this is rural Alabama. Okay. Yeah, I, I got this. <laughs> so, and it was those type of things like that that I didn't realize that the preacher was really setting me up to go into ministry. And when I decided no Air Force, uh, it was like, okay, he says, you need to go one of two places. I said, what? He says, you need to go to Fried Alderman or you need to go to Memphis School of Preaching. He was a Memphis School of Preaching grad. Um, my sister had gone to Alabama Christian at that time, now Faulkner, and I did not want to go for my sister had gone to school. But ended up at Freed Hardeman, uh, and, and it was weird because a lot of people think you know all about Christian schools. And this was 1979. You did not, I still in Alabama had never heard of Hardy, never heard of Lipscomb, never heard of Freed Hardeman, really, other than a couple of people that I knew. And so, but Alabama Christian was the place. Went to Freed Hardeman, fell in love with it, uh, obtained my Bible degree, communication degree from there. And the to get into the why of, why youth ministry goes back to William Woodson. Um, uh, William Woodson was a, a jewel of mm -hmm. a man. He loved training preachers mm -hmm. like you. Yeah. But 
But Kirk, he he saw that I wanted to work with young people. Well, youth ministry, mm -hmm. few and far between. You know how that goes in, in the late 70s and early 80s. There were, there were men out there doing it, but not full time. Um, he said, let me chart a course for you. And so what he literally did, I still gained the full Bible credits, but in, over these little categories over here of like American literature, well, take American lit, but don't take English lit. Let's put you in children's literature. Hmm. Um, you know, there's, a, there's an elective course called Recreation and Singing Games, a little single one-hour course, elective. You ought to go take that. Hmm. So he put me in, instead of general psychology, he put me in children's psychology classes. So he literally, he was, I think, ahead of the time of other people making youth ministry mm -hmm. what it was. Nobody knew what to do. And so he put me in some classes, uh, put me in a class called Camp Leadership with Hoyt Kirk. Mm -hmm. The absolute best class I ever had mm -hmm. as far as learning. He directed camp at Mid-South when I grew up going there. Exactly. Yeah. And so who better else to mm -hmm. learn from? Mm -hmm. And that's where the focus of coming in. I've always loved young people. Always mm -hmm. loved it. And even when I graduated, uh, Freed Hartman, it's all I really wanted to do. And that's we're gonna where I'm at today. what you've been doing. I think about uh, Brother Woodson. Brother Woodson was teaching at Lipscomb mm -hmm. when I did my undergrad there. And then when he retired, I was preaching at Graymere. Mm -hmm. Of course, you and I oh, yeah. Lived across town from <laughs> each right. other for several years there, but he and Brother Holland would do the Columbia School of Bible Preaching. Institute. Well, Bible there, yeah. yeah, and but he would also not only did they you know they do that retreat by that name, but then he would come most every Thursday and teach. In fact, the the last lesson he delivered before he went in the hospital mm -hmm. when he died was delivered as a part of that program at Graymere, but just had a tremendous impact on so many right. lives. So I think one of the takeaways from what I'm hearing is the value of mentors. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So tell me, how many years you've been in youth ministry now since well, you started working with the church? It's 40 times and 40 years in full-time now. And so I did two internships, which I tell people internships in the early days where you were hired as a summer youth minister. Mm -hmm. You didn't work with another youth minister. Mm -hmm. So, But yeah, 40 years now. So... Well, let, let's go a couple of different directions. My first thought is, what has allowed you to stay in youth ministry? One simple thing. Passion for the souls mm -hmm. of young people. And that's the key. Uh, I do believe that the moms and dads have a greater, the greater responsibility of raising young people. But if I can be a catalyst, mm -hmm. if I can be someone that's there for those... And those that don't have parents, hey, look, I, I tell you, my dad was not there. Mm -hmm. And I'm not replacing the dad. I want to be the person there for them when they mm -hmm. need someone like that. Well, I know you're still dealing with the, the loss of your mother. She Absolutely. had a tremendous impact on yep. your life. And, you know, you and I agree that the parents are the youth ministers. Right. But it takes a, an army, a village, a team, a family to raise it takes a church, a church. It and takes so a church. They need a lot of mentors. You know, a lot of the research shows that the more mentors, especially mature adult mentors they have, the greater the chance they'll have faith. That's why that lasts into adulthood. That's why programs like last leaders is so important within congregations. Too. I see. Last it, leaders has everybody. Plugged it's in. everybody. And if, if done 
mm-hmm. correctly and you let your members do the work, mm-hmm. it's amazing mm-hmm. what growth can occur. You know, Chad Clark talks a lot about that, the philosophy of adoptive youth ministry mm-hmm. that the whole church adopts the young people. So, like, you've worked with two, three churches in, in all those four, two, I thought it was two churches in all those 40 years. And so you've been, of course, you were at West 7th when I was at Graymere, and then you've been 10 years or so now at Spring Meadows. So we talked a little bit about what you think is key to longevity in ministry. But for those who are joining us today, you know, what have you learned about ministry in general? What are some tips that you would share either about youth ministry specifically or just ministry in the Lord's Church? Well, I think one of the things that's crucial is when a, when a person's coming out of college, whether it be Heritage, whether it be Free Harmon, or any of our brotherhood schools that we have, they are given a beautiful, beautiful toolbox of knowledge and abilities mm-hmm. that's coming out. And what happens is when that person comes out of that college, they're walking with their toolbox. They may not know how to use every tool in that box because they haven't put a board. They've been taught about those tools, but they've never had to put that tool mm-hmm. into work. Gotcha. And so in the ministry aspect of it, when a person goes to Congregation B and they, they're at that congregation and they confront something like that, that's where they have to look, look in their toolbox and say, now, where did I learn about this? And they pull out this tool and they go, ooh, well, there's someone in that church, an elder, deacon, member, that says, let me show you how. I wish somebody had done that with me a little bit earlier which I did have some people to do that to help me be more successful. Uh, and it's kind of like working on a car. Yeah. You, you know, you've got to have nine sixteenths to take that starter off. We share a passion for Mustangs, <laughs> by the way, too. Yeah. And so, but now in, in that day, but the, the second value is, I think, Kirk, is, is, is passion. And, and one of the things that's really come back on me in the last, I don't know, three or four years is falling in love with God mm-hmm. and falling in love with his son. If you fall in love with God and his son, it is natural that you fall in love with the church that his son established. Yeah. And I'm not talking about some surface love. I'm talking about a deep, genuine love. Mm-hmm. And in turn of that in your ministry, if you have that within your own heart, it's going to make your ministry fall far better. Because you go, I'm going to come to you as a soul, a person that needs Jesus and needs the Lord and say, hey, look, let's talk about this and let's go together. So talk to me, you know, I know the importance of your girls in your life. So (laughs) talk to me about, you know, family in ministry. Um, Pam and I have been married 30, uh, 39 years. I've been coming up to 40. And so when we got married, I got to her. She said, I'm not married to a preacher. And I said, nope, you're not married to a preacher. It's worse than that. You're married to a minister. <laughs> um, she was involved in the ministry in the very beginning, but uh, she loved, she loves working. She loves working. And so she has her own work, you know? And so, and then our daughter came along. She was involved even at six months of old. She would go on what I would tell people, the big trips, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we had to raise a child. Mm-hmm. And the greatest thing about it was not only did the eldership understand the fact that we were now parents raising a child, the congregation knew, you know, I've heard people say, well, they, they don't understand the fact that when I'm, you know, I've got a child now, I need, I need to be a family person. I, well, 
we made the choice to go into ministry. And while things may change in ministry, the souls don't change. Mm-hmm. The 2 a.m. phone calls don't change for us. But, and your wife has to understand mm-hmm. things like that. You know, she gets it. You know, you're going to be gone on a three-day weekend to CYC, or you're going to go to EYC, or you're going to go to Horizons, and you're going to do two weeks of church camp. Um, you know, it consumes a lot of your life, and your spouse can be there with you. And thankfully, if they, if they can, praise God for that. But if they're not going to be there with you, they have an understanding. It is, it all boils back to this. Do you love God and do you love Jesus? If you're loud, if your spouse even loves God and love Jesus, they understand it. But you do have to take the time. And so, take that time. so you've got, you know, it, it takes a team. Yes. But you also, both of you have to buy into ministry. Absolutely. And you have to have a clear understanding between the two of you of how that's going to play out in your family. Right. That's and, exactly you right. You know, what, what church am I going to go on? What church am I not going to go on, et cetera? It's not an issue of loving God and loving you. It's just how do we do ministry, fitting our personalities and passions. So that's that's good. Yeah. One of the things I want you to share a little bit about, you know, one of the things that you did in our community, you still do in your home there in Columbia, is you know your your garage Bible studies. Tell me, tell me the genesis of that. I've heard you talk about it in classes. The genesis of that and why it is so connective to young people. Why does it seem to work? Well, uh, 20, now 21 years ago, wow. 21 years ago, I had six kids came to me when I was at West 7, six of my starter kids, man, they were great. They said, Jerry, Mr. Jerry, we love Bible studies at church building, but our friends won't come. Mm-hmm. Okay, why won't they come? Tell me why won't they well, What can I do? They won't come because it's at the church building. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was the stigma of the name on the sign. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is 21 years ago. Mm-hmm. And or what? I said, well, okay, we'll have it next week at the house. So we went to the house the very next week. Those same six kids came to the house. We had it inside the house. And I said, oh, this, this is great. And then I have my Mustang that's sitting in my detached garage. And so then one of the kids said, hey, I want to see the car. Walk out of the garage. And the garage is a bare bones, nothing, no heat, no AC yeah. garage. And one of my kids goes, Dude, this is where we need to have the Bible study. And I looked at him like, no. And I said, yeah. And so I said, okay. So next week, sure enough, eight kids, they said, mark it down. This is the place. And then they started signing their names on a doorfront at that time. It went from six to 12 to 20. The most we've had in the 20. 21 years, we had 130 people there one night. You know, we, <laughs> we, we, oh, I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, everybody packed inside yeah. of this garage, even outside the door. But uh, it, it, it's a non-threatening. Mm-hmm. It's non-threatening. I don't advertise it as where it is a ministry of the church. It's a Bible study at my. It's a garage Bible study at my house. And I always premise it, but and many of my, I said, if we study anything outside of this word, you have something, you can call me out on it. But I want the Bible to lead you to the Lord's church, and it will. The key thing about it, Kirk, this is the consistency. Mm -hmm. Every Monday night, seven o'clock. It's there's the we there's a handful of times maybe throughout the year that we won't meet, 
if it's like 20 below outside, we probably won't make it. <laughs> you still don't have it. We don't have it. Okay, so my heat is a kerosene heater stuck in the, <laughs> in middle, the middle of the room. room. In the middle of the room, it is. But they will come and they'll be bundled up in these hoodies and stuff, and, and they love it. And you had to move the Stang out, right? I, the, the Mustang comes That's out. The true. comes out every day, man. <laughs> hey, my wife calls mine precious. All I tell you this is I will move it out for the soul. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one, I think, big takeaway from that is a lot of times we don't realize how scary our church buildings are to people. Right. That, if you grew up in an environment where you worship with Christians, you're Christians, you're not intimidated by a church building, or maybe you're not intimidated by the place where you've worshipped before. Right. But for a lot of folks, you know, it's just like anybody. When you go to a new place, or it's strange, different, have different customs, it's a little bit scary. And so I, I think one of the beautiful things about that is it allows them to be exposed to God by removing the fear and the barriers that go uh, with those formal meeting places. And a young man to come in and. He knew I'm in the Lord's church, and he says, he says to me, he goes, I'm going to prove you wrong. I said, I, you, know my, you know my thing. We study the Word of God. You will study together. He came every day, every every month, for a year, for a year. At the end of the year, at that year time, we're sitting there, time's over with, kids are mingling around, he comes up, he, he says, tears in his eyes. Mr. Jerry, he says, I've been trying to prove you wrong for a year. And all that I've heard is that the Bible is right. That's good. Became a Christian that night. He's faithful in the Lord's church. He's married. He's got family members. And, that's, you know. The Word of God is powerful and effective. Even in the garage. Even in the garage. <laughs> Jerry, thank you for spending time with us. Thank you, all of you, for spending time with us. As you serve in the Lord's church and in ministry, just hang in there, stay tough, trust in the power of God, and know that His power is working for you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Ministry Matters That Matter.